Welcome to So Many Bits. I am your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from his palatial two-bedroom apartment in Chicago is Chris Bashan. Chris, how are you? I'm good, Bill. Thank you for coming to my apartment. I really appreciate that. Oh, you are welcome. I have a baby now, so sacrifices are sometimes required. <laughs> it very much helps me out when people can come here, so... No problem. It just it worked out that... Uh, well, I mean, I would have come over regardless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This timing in my schedule was pretty good. Got, Perfect. Got a, short day at the office so nice rolled right on over hey chris yeah. what, what you playing what am i playing uh well i'm playing two different things uh right now bill and if anybody who knows me knows me i really love retro games uh so i'm bouncing between two games one is new and one is old uh recently the Mega Man legacy collection was released on the switch both parts of it part one and two and uh i've been having a great time revisiting some uh classic Mega Man games because they are amazing. Uh, and the Switch is kind of a great place to play those games on. And I'll go on and say this, but other publishers like Capcom and Sega and like the recent Street Fighter collection um, are all great examples, I think, of how to treat your back catalog. And I really am waiting for that virtual console on Switch, Bill. I'm really waiting for it. Come on, Nintendo. Everyone else is doing it. Where? Come on. Where? Where's your old games? You know, I yeah. keep hoping. Uh, it feels like the reality, unfortunately, is that we're just going to see stuff like the Mega Man Collection, where companies will be on their own in releasing what they yeah. want to release. You know, I think there's good and bad to that because I mean, like with the Legacy Collection and like the Street Fighter Collection, I'm not a Street Fighter fan, but the collection looks really well put together. Um, or like the Mega Man X Collection coming out later this year, I think the ownness of being on the companies makes them put a little more um, chutzpah into it, you know, make it a more enticing package for customers to buy. Uh, or like the Disney Afternoon Collection. Um, it's just Nintendo sitting on so many great classic games, you know? Like when they did the Kirby Collection for the Wii a few years ago, I thought that was a brilliant way to celebrate Kirby, and I wish they would do something, you know, like that for Metroid or or you know any of their other franchises they just haven't done it yet the thing that always bugs me about nintendo is whenever they are exploring retro games on their console it feels like they're starting over from square one it's Mm -hmm. like okay first here is super mario brothers yeah this is one of our earliest games and then later on it's like okay here is super mario brothers three and here is urban champion and it's like no we didn't ask for urban champion give us zelda 2 what is going on with you yeah no yeah, and I mean, with everything we've heard so far uh, about the 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 new online service, which Virtual Console is dead, I think we can say that, and that's not a that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like the Virtual Console service, as much as I liked it, had some serious problems. So I think whatever they're gonna do with their online, however they choose to ultimately like bring out their old content, will hopefully be a, a step in the right direction. But I'm a little worried. Just because it looks again like what you said, like here's Mario Brothers and here's Ice Climbers. And it's like, come on, guys. Come on. Now, are you playing, uh, which uh, Mega Man games in particular are you playing? I played through all of them. All of them? Yes. <laughs> like, 
the way through? Yes. So oh. <laughs> I, I love like so Mega Man is like one of those games I can revisit like once a year. Not one of them, like all of them. Oh wow! You know, like okay. I'll start at the first one and I'll just work my way through. And they're honestly like they're not that long. Not really. Uh, you can really burn through like the first six Mega Man games in like a healthy weekend or an unhealthy weekend. <laughs> um, and it's just you know just jumping and shooting robots. It's just something about that I really love. And I really, really dig it, you know. Uh, so yeah, and then, I mean, especially with the collections on the Switch, like there's a rewind feature, there's an easy mode to kind of help you out. There, I think they're just really great packages to play. I really do. So. Do you have a uh, preferred Mega Man? Three has always been my favorite. I know a lot of people are in the two camp, and I fully admit that two is an amazing game, but I really like three. Uh, to piggy off that, I would say six is the most underrated Mega Man. Okay. And is the one that was given the least chance because it came out at the end of the NES's life after Mega Man X had come out. So it's kind of, that's what I love about this collection is you can kind of just pick and play any of these games and it kind of gives a chance for some of them to shine when they didn't have a chance to before. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then uh, so you were saying you were playing something else? Yes. So I picked up Bloodstained Curse of the Night. Um, which is a, a, I guess, a prequel to Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is coming out later this year, which for people who already know or may not know is the Igarashi Castlevania clone, basically. It's his Kickstarter campaign where he was like, hey, I'm going to make a new Castlevania game, but I'm not going to call it Castlevania. Um, so he got a ton of funding. I think it was one of the highest rated, highest funded projects, I think, mm-hmm. on Kickstarter at the time. Um, and one of the stretch goals was if they reached the stretch goal, they would make an 8-bit uh, prequel to to the main game that they're making. Well, they hit their stretch goal, and that prequel game came out last week. And it is a, a beautiful homage to classic Castlevania. It's really good. It's really good, yeah. Have I, you I've played been, it? I've been playing it as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so good. It's really good. I got through the uh, the regular normal story, and then I played the nightmare mode, which was also pretty great. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's a relatively short experience. Mm-hmm. It's like five hours for both those playthroughs, mm-hmm. but for ten bucks, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean like the art style, like they nailed it. They they nailed classic Castlevania so much that it actually really makes me wish there was Castlevania on the Switch. <laughs> You know, there's another, speaking of classic collections, there's a collection that desperately needs like to be put together and released. Mm-hmm. Konami, do it. Uh, yeah, Bloodstained is so so good. It's really good. The thing I like about Bloodstained is that it resembles a retro game without mm-hmm. fully bringing forward all the retro elements that might have made it too tedious. Mm-hmm. It's like a... It's like a whisper of yeah. retro. Yeah. Like the knockback is still there. Mm-hmm. The lack of mobility in midair mm-hmm. is still there. But for the most part, they're much, much more forgiving mm-hmm. with putting out extra lives. You always get an extra life when you beat a stage. Mm-hmm. And you, so you're switching between four, you can get up to four characters in your party and you can swap between them at any time. And they each have their own health bar. Yeah. And yeah. If, and if one dies, you can still restart the level with the other three. Yes. Like, they are yes. very forgiving. Yes, but that's such an interesting um, dynamic because maybe if there's one character you're really good with or, you know, now you have to adjust your play style and, and use the other three, you know? 
Um, yeah, it, that's really, really interesting to me. It's it's like Shovel Knight, you know. It's a new old game. It's it's a new old game. It's an old game, but with all the modern day things that we've learned since the '80s and '90s put on top of it, and it's it's good. It's really good, and it's ten bucks. It's ten bucks. You know. Yeah. Yeah, really apt. I, I don't think any game since Shovel Knight has done such a great job of reminding me of NES games. So, I mean, yeah, yeah you should really check it out. It's out on, like, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, 3DS, mm-hmm. Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, PC. And I wasn't really keeping tabs or was really excited for the Blood- Bloodstained project. Um, but now that I've played this, I'm... I'm kind of like, okay, let's see. I wonder what the real game, like this was just the stretch goal. So I'm wondering what the real game, if that's going to be good and what that's going to look like, you know? It's very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially after that, I mean, that same studio made Mighty Number 9. So to see that they can come back and make this game, Mm -hmm. that's that's a good sign. Yeah. So that's what I'm playing, sir. What are you playing? Uh, Yeah, so I've I've played some Bloodstained. Uh, I've been playing a bit of Runner 3. Hmm which just came out on the Nintendo Switch. I think it's exclusive to the Switch for now. Oh, I'm sure that'll change pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I imagine. But uh, right now, only there. Uh, it's the same people who made Bit Trip Runner and Bit Trip Runner 2. Hmm. And it's the, yeah, same premise. You've got this dude, Commander Video. Mm-hmm. He is running through a level. You have to dip, duck, dodge, and dive. Yeah. All, all the way through these obstacles, things flying at you, barriers, you got to kick over walls, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And this game is hard. It is really, really hard. I bet. Like, uh, I actually, I had the chance to play it at PAX East, and I they showed me a later stage that I could try. And I was like, okay, this is pretty challenging, but, you know, this is like the fifth or sixth stage or whatever. I, I'll build up to that. In the first stage, there was a level I could not come close to beating like mm. i tried it 10 times i got like 10 seconds in and died every time yeah so it is a very challenging game i don't think i'm like bad at those kind of games either yeah hmm well i mean are you you're enjoying it so far more or less yeah okay, great. it's a bit punishing but i'm gonna stick with it it's yeah. a good game to like you can just play a stage or two here and there and go away and come back mm-hmm. and that's not too bad yeah nice yeah uh, I've also been playing Meteor Fall. What is Meteor Fall? Well, uh, so to back up a little bit, I've played this game called Slay the Spire on my PC. And that is like, it's a roguelike, uh-huh. but you're building a deck of cards and then using that deck to have like attacks and magic and skills mm-hmm. and using those to fight the monsters you encounter in this tower. This sounds like Magic the Gathering. No, it's completely different. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it it is pretty similar to magic it's sure it's yeah. kind of like dominion where okay you are acquiring the cards over time as the game develops and you can also like remove cards from your deck is it the indie game it's an indie game yes okay but uh so meteor fall is like the phone version of slay the spire slash hmm. dominion where you are encountering monsters you are playing your deck now as a concession to the mobile platform Rather than like in other games where you have a whole hand of cards you can play, you like draw five cards, you play them out in order. Here you you just flip over the top card of your deck and you can either swipe right to use it or swipe left to basically pass on playing that card. And you have a certain number of cards you can play per turn. And some of the cards will like replenish your stock of actions. Some will deal damage. Some will give you health. 
you also have a stamina meter you have to watch cards mm-hmm. have a certain stamina cost to them and you need to have enough stamina in your reserves to activate certain abilities hmm. it's pretty uh it's pretty deep and, cool. I, and i'm appreciating it so far nice I, uh, I especially like the artwork. Uh, very, very adventure timey. Very uh, ah, yeah, resembling yeah. of that with yeah. the uh, kind of like cutesy look, but all, like they have their noses. And then there's like a little bit of an edge to it. Like my my favorite character is like there's a harpy and she's uh, like all tatted up and she's flipping you a bird mm-hmm. while she's doing it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Who's the art? Do you know who the artist is? Uh, the artist and the musician on this game is Evgeny Vitman. Oh. The artist and the musician is the same person? Yes. Nice. Yeah. That cool. Is one, one art and music credit. Good for that person. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, good good work. Looks, nice. Uh, very, very, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good art. Good. Great. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I've been playing. Cool. Uh, Chris, we are going to move on to our news segment. But first, I don't know if you have uh, experienced this yet. Mm, I have experienced what is about to happen. You Okay, good. I All have. Right. Yes. Good then you know that this is about to be Bill's Magic Minute. I will watch in awe. And for the sake of the listener, just to refresh you, Bill's Magic Minute is where I talk about Magic the Gathering for exactly one minute without context or explanation to get it all out of my system. We already kind of towed the line by talking about Meteor Fall. Mm-hmm. So it's extra important that mm-hmm. we get to this and knock it out of the park. All right, Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. Do you want me to tell you when to go? Yes. Or are you, all right, go in three, two... One. Got to try the Battle of the Plains sealed format on Magic the Gathering Online. I played that last year and had an okay time with it. I think I enjoyed it a little more on this run-through because I got to see more creativity with deck building. I was playing the Lorwyn Plane, which allowed me to do a white-black deck with a bunch of uh, removal spells and uh, discard effects and efficient white creatures And I ran up against some pretty interesting opposing decks. I battled against a white-red aggressive deck from Innistrad and then a allies deck from Zendikar that appeared to be playing all five colors and like every ally creature they had opened in their pool. And they really... (coughs) They really took me to the limit before I managed to get the 3-0 against them. I would definitely try it again if I have some more time before the format goes away. It's only around for one week. If not now, then next year. And that minute is over. I don't know what you said, but it sounded intense. It's got to be exactly one minute. If I cough, then we got to keep rolling. Oh, you have three more seconds then. No, 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 no. That was the magic minute. Okay. All right. Well, you did great. Thank you. Thank you. So that concludes our magic minute. And Chris, we're going to move on to our final boss segment where we talk about... Gaming news, gaming events, oh, gaming articles. Yes, yes. And this, this may dovetail pretty quickly, I feel. Oh, but yeah. But I'm excited. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, so for this, we are talking about a blog post, actually, mm-hmm. that came out recently. It was uh, featured on the Steam website, authored by Eric Johnson, titled, Who Gets to Be on the Steam Store? Who does get to be on the Steam Store, Bill? Well, uh, I mean, that's an interesting question, Mm -hmm. Chris, because we've seen recently uh, some controversy over games possibly being removed or games that were not being removed that perhaps should be. Mm -hmm. And the uh, conclusion uh, per Mr. Johnson was, with that principle in mind, we've decided that the right approach is to allow everything onto the Steam store except for things that we decide are illegal or straight up trolling. 
Yeah. So they're so any so it's and they and I think they went a step further and said like the user will be able to determine what you see or can't see, right? Like didn't they say you could they that users could create logarithms or a way to uh, I've got the quote here. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we are going to enable you to override our yeah. recommendation algorithms mm-hmm. and hide games containing the topics you're not interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you sent this to me before recording, wanting to talk about this, and I didn't really know what this was about when you sent this to me. Like I had heard something about Steam, um, and then I saw what this what this blog post was in reference to. Um, which I had heard about um, in kind of in reference to Steam wanting to pull down some anime uh, visual novels that were uh, sexually graphic or charged. Um, and the controversy was Steam wanted to do that. But while they were actively considering doing that, the active shooter game uh, where you play as someone who goes into a high school and shoots children was currently for sale on the Steam store <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and there's so many things to talk about with this bill why oh where do you want to talk about there's so uh, <laughs> uh i mean yeah there there are there's like a lot of directions you can five go with major it. so so can we can we talk about a couple different things since they're all on the table sure so so let's let's talk about the the active shooter thing first okay okay um there is no evidence supporting that violent video games make you a violent person there is evidence that violent media makes you desensitized for sure of course but being desensitized to violence or horrible things is very different from committing violence or horrible things um so i just want to put that out there because i feel feel whenever there's a shooting uh one of the first things is it's video games and i i actually fundamentally feel that's taking away the issue from the things that it should be aimed at you know uh i i don't know if you agree with me on that or if you i i don't know you know uh, i mean i yeah i i've seen generally those same studies mm-hmm. uh i don't i still would not want to expose a a minor or a, a people of a certain age to games like that yeah sure which i think the steam marketplace probably allows too easily mm-hmm I mean, so that kind of that kind of dovetails into the bigger discussion here, which is, you know, should Steam kind of police its own content? And I mean, part of the problem is we're talking about Steam, you know, like Google and Facebook are already having discussions about their roles in like fake news and like controlling trolls and like trying to to make the Internet a better place, for lack of a better description. And I think I think Steam is wrong in in this decision. I think they, you know, they're one of those big companies. They kind of have to do it. They just have to, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I agree with you. you know? I, I uh, first off, I think that by taking no stance, mm-hmm. that is in effect a stance. You are mm-hmm. then letting others define the message that you. Uh, are putting out either yeah. you can make your own message or you can let others define it yeah and in this case we're letting the the free market in quotes uh, decide yeah yeah and 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 it smacks a little bit of well we don't want we don't we don't want to block content so we're anything can go uh which which smacks a little of well we still want money 
Yeah, because you know. uh, Steam makes a percentage cut or takes mm-hmm. a percentage cut from every game sold on Steam. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, this can easily spin into a discussion of like games and art and protected speech. But to be honest, like as somebody who's like a writer and a content producer and a videographer and a performer, um, like the person who made this game, I would say to them, read the room. Like there was just a sh- there was a high school shooting. Kids died. And you're making a game about shooting kids? I mean, come on. And now this person did respond to those criticisms and said that there are far worse games out there like Carmageddon and Postal. And I agree. Those games are awful. Why are they out there? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's um, a good point. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's, it, it is an example of whataboutism, though. Yeah, it is. It is. It for sure is. Um, so, but I think Steam. But I think Steam's role is... You know they have to. They need. They. I. They. I feel they made the wrong call. Like it's Steam. They've gotta. They've gotta watch this content. And, you know. I would. So here's what I would generally say: uh, is that people are concerned about their their freedoms mm-hmm. and their ability to express themselves and the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, first off, games being put on the platform Steam are not a form of protected speech as. Uh, judged by the First Amendment. The First mm-hmm. Amendment protects you from uh, persecution by the government mm-hmm. in terms of what you say. But people can still think you're a jerk and people can still choose to not sell your product mm-hmm. if they think it's yes. smelly. Yeah. Then uh, you have to consider that, well, Steam is a marketplace. That Let the marketplace decide. Well, stores have always had the right to sell or not sell whatever things they choose. I mean... If you go to, I mean, any brick-and-mortar store, then you know they have curated and selected what materials they're selling. Mm -hmm. It is only with the uh, advent of the electronic marketplace where we are seeing... I'm sure it has happened before, to be fair. But now I'm imagining it's happening more where stuff is slipping through the cracks or uh, more objectionable media is appearing on storefronts like Amazon, where... Uh, I believe objectionable books can be bought mm-hmm. for, through their Kindle publishing method. And the same thing is true of Steam. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last thing I would say is, uh, so you're worried that who has the right to decide what is right and what is wrong? Well, people are already deciding what is right and what is wrong. If you can uh, look at YouTube as an example, mm-hmm. uh, you are seeing uh, LGBTQ uh, media being censored or demonetized. Really? Yes. I've not heard that. What? What? So, like LGBTQ, LGBTQ, um, like video channels are being demonetized. Yes. By YouTube. Yes, as objectionable or questionable content. Why? People are looking for an answer on that. That seems like discrimination. It is. It, I would say, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, w- I would say so. And I mean, they can go get a cake baked still. So. <laughs> so i mean just protected groups are already under attack and i don't know that there's necessarily a direct analog on steam Mm. but there could easily be one yeah there could and there i mean we haven't really tried it the other way with heavy-handed censorship no and you know i mean like that that I think this is a, we're going to get a little bit bigger here. There's a bigger, there's a bigger fundamental flaw in America of like rights. Everyone loves rights. 
Um, and, you know, I... Rights are great. Rights are really, really wonderful. I think freedom... Um, rights, specifically, like the right to bear arms, is currently causing a lot of problems. It really is. It's not the only problem. It's not the only thing um, causing potentially mass shootings, but it is a contributing factor, for sure, you know? Um, and, and, and that's a disservice to say, uh, you know, it's really, really what's happening is people are upset, people are having mental health problems, they have easy access to weapons, they have a bad day, they kill a lot of people. There are a confluence of yeah. negative factors yes. there. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, so let's just fix those problems, guys. Oh, yeah, just, just bang, bang, yeah. knock it out. Yeah, you know, maybe a little more. I'm going to get really political on your podcast, uh, Bill. I mean, it was kind of inevitable. It this. was inevitable, you know, but maybe a little stricter gun control with mental health problems. Anthony Bourdain just died. We didn't know he was, like, battling depression. Like, there's so many problems that we could try fixing that we're just not. But I think to just draw it back to the steam thing is mm-hmm. uh, it's an issue where people are very uh, protective of their own rights. Yeah. And maybe not always as sensitive about other people's rights. And not always seeing the boundaries between the two groups. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think also part of it is artistic expression. Like, you know, you... You could argue artistic expression, for sure. You could. Uh, And that's a tough one, because, you know, as an artist, I don't want to limit anyone's art. At the same time, a bunch of high school kids just got shot, dude, and you're making a game about shooting high school kids. Let's just really think about that for a second. You can make a shooter set in a science fiction fantasy world or whatever, anywhere else, but you chose a school? Let's, Let's figure out why. You know, you you may put art out into the world, mm-hmm. and other people then have the right to, to totally question that it. art. Yeah, and Steam has, should have a right to police it. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, you sent me that article, and I found it was really really interesting. Um, I really didn't know that about YouTube. Yeah. Um, when did that start? Um, that I believe began over the last few months, as oh, man. YouTube has continued to try and tweak their algorithms and their curation of their own uh, platform to stop people from going into uh, other countries and being racially insensitive, like, uh, say, Logan Paul. Huh. Huh. Okay. And then one, uh, one additional thing about Steam is, like, so they're leaving it in our hands to mm-hmm. take care of this. And so they want to offer additional... Uh, control over the recommendation algorithm and the tags that are available on Steam to limit the number of games that you see. So, uh, so here's the problem: uh, the the tags are, you know, they can be used by anyone. Mm-hmm. So, say, we'll keep it benign. I don't want to see role-playing games. I'm just like, you know, I've seen all the role-playing games mm-hmm. I want to see in my life. Yep. Anything with a tag, role-playing game, hide it. Right. Well, say maybe there's a mech shooter five and it's like the coolest game out there mm-hmm. and everyone loves it but someone puts the tag on role-playing game because anyone can add tags to any game yeah yeah and, and then it's hidden by the algorithm because hmm. i i no longer see role-playing games and i just go blissfully unaware yeah. personally i would probably not have that happen but for the average you know more casual user mm-hmm hmm and like that, that's another part of the concern is that the the tools they're giving the mm-hmm. user to protect themselves because hey it's up to us to protect ourselves suck yeah and I mean this isn't gonna hurt 
any of the AAA people, they're fine. It's it's the smaller indie developers and whatnot who who will get buried because of this, you know. And that was already an issue before. It was, yeah. I mean, this is this here is the free market kicking in, doing the right thing. You're seeing indie developers flock elsewhere. The Switch is one of them. You know, there's other environments for people to go and be successful. Like if it was four, five, six years ago, Steam Steam was your end all be all. But Steam is not number one anymore uh actually isn't the switch number one for indie development am i totally making that up i i thought i I read an article about that i mean i would believe that Uh uh-huh and uh probably really nintendo is not doing that great a job of curating no 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 one is doing a great job of curating their eShop. no that's no itch.io the uh Mm -hmm. the owner of that platform tweeted out no we're not gonna just let anyone put anything they want on here yeah delete stuff if we don't like it (laughs) isn't it really amazing the types of video games that get made like i i remember reading about custard's revenge and just being like i can't believe this is a game i mean you know this is 1982 or whatever and there's this little guy running across this field dodging arrows trying to rape this indian woman strapped to a pole i was like i can't believe that's a game i just can't believe it i I, can't either it's 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 i I want to get into the mind, not really, of some of the people who make these games. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, you know? It, sometimes it really just makes no sense. I, I I grasp at straws when trying to understand why mm-hmm. some of these games exist. Mm-hmm. And we're not even getting into, like, the more, not less ethically murky, but more exploitative stuff out there, which are just, like, uh, trophy achievements uh, farming games mm-hmm. or like repurposed assets from other games yeah mm-hmm. stuff like that which is more yeah. blatantly inappropriate for the platform but gets to exist with no problem yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. interesting yeah good uh, discussion thank you for bringing that topic no problem no problem and i you know i appreciate that there are there are people out there who feel differently uh Hey, yeah, yeah, if we lost if we lost you listenership, uh, apologize in advance. Uh, if we gained you membership, then uh, all right. Yeah, I mean uh, that's how I feel. Uh, if you don't feel that way, eh, think about it. Think about what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, go take a walk in the woods and just think about things. Yeah. So for a more positive wrap to this uh, episode, Chris. Mm, yes. As we are recording this, E3 is about to happen, and as this episode is released, E3 will be happening. So, do you have any? hopes fears predictions for the electronic entertainment expo i do can um i want to talk about nintendo but can we actually talk about sony first sure um there's a lot of buzz about maybe the ps5 showing up which i can't believe it has how long has the ps4 been around the ps4 came out in 2013 Okay, so five years. I feel, didn't they say the PS4 was supposed to be like a very long generation? You know, like the PS3 was a really long generation. It was. Um, was I I thought Sony wanted to repeat that, especially with like the PS4 Pro coming out and whatnot. Like, I'm I'm just surprised I'm hearing buzz about a PS5, especially with the Pro, you know. Uh, I'm just curious if it'll show up or if they'll tease it. I and, think, and what would it be like? What what what's it going to be? <laughs> it's 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 a good question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It doesn't feel like there's enough room yet for the necessary leap in graphical technology. To no, really, especially because the PS4 Pro just came out last yeah. year. Yeah, it just yeah, it's 
Was that last year? Uh, see, I don't even sure. have a PS4 yeah. yet, so it's. This is, I'll be curious if the if Sony drops anything about a PS5. Um, but Nintendo, Nintendo's my baby. I love Nintendo. Really can't wait till Tuesday, June twelfth. I will be watching that direct. Um, I think the this E3 is all about Smash Brothers. I, I mean, they're kind of really pushing it that direction, and. I think they'll do a huge blowout on Smash Brothers because I think Smash is coming out this year. Like, I think this is the year of Smash. I believe that, yeah. I'm with and you. I'm, I'm excited and frightened by that because usually Smash Brothers has a much longer development. So I don't know what this form of Smash is going to be. I really don't, you know? I, I feel the Wii U Smash Brothers, which hardly anyone got to play because it was on the Wii U, is the best Smash Brothers they've ever released. The eight-player play, the roster of characters, the stages, everything about that game just really came together wonderfully. Um, so clearly, that's got to be their jumping board. I just don't know where what they're going to do. I really don't. Like We know the Inkling girls are coming. Um, yeah, I don't know. Super hypothetical guess. Of character from Fortnite will be in Smash. That would be incredible. I mean, I, that would be a pretty if, big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially with. I mean, I think this is no big secret that Fortnite is coming to Switch. I personally don't play a lot of Fortnite, but it's a huge phenomenon. Again, a first-person shooter that I think works really well. Uh, and I think if Nintendo was smart, they'd somehow pull something from Fortnite and put it into Smash Brothers. But I don't know if they're gonna do it or do it for DLC or whatnot. Um, but yeah, Smash Brothers. I think so much info is going to be about Smash Brothers at this E3 and like Fortnite and a couple other like Dragon Ball um, Fighter Z. I think has been rumored to to be coming to the Switch is really exciting. Yeah, I'm. I don't think we'll hear anything about Metroid. No. No, I Nothing think at all. I. It's either two things. Either do, they're doing all of this because they don't have anything on Metroid or they don't want to show anything yet, which is fine. Showing Smash, like really blowing out on Smash Brothers, is we'll we'll take people off of that um or you know they'll they'll do all this stuff and then at the very end be like oh and here's some metroid gameplay and it's like oh my gosh you know i don't know i feel like we're gonna see something because we'll see something at last e3 and we haven't heard much since then but i feel they've done a teaser before and then skipped a year hmm. all right you know okay i don't want that to happen but um i don't know i mean you're right they i mean the Switch is really riding high right now, and Smash Brothers will really just help them even more. But Nintendo itself has to have something coming out this year. And yes. there's been not a peep about what they are doing. You know, last year we had Mario and Zelda. Uh, so I'll be curious. I think, yeah, I don't know. I hope I hope we see Metroid footage, but I, I think it's all going to be Smash. I think we'll get the new, we'll get some info about Smash characters. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Japan did a um, uh, a uh, poll on just Smash Brothers, like favorite characters played, um, characters never played, wishes from the Japanese community on what they would want in Smash Brothers, and Simon Belmont was high on the list. That would be cool. That would be very that would be uh, cool. fitting, mm-hmm. given Nintendo's history with that particular character. Mm-hmm. What characters do you think they might add to it if they... 
this is kind of a cheat, but I'd <laughs> like to see them include the DLC characters from the Wii U edition in the Switch edition because mm-hmm. I, for one, never got a chance to play with like Ryu or Cloud or Bayonetta. Cloud broke the internet. <laughs> the, the Cloud in Smash Brothers announcement broke the internet. So I mean, they've got to do that. They have to. They, Cloud has to be in Smash Brothers now. He can't not not be in Smash Brothers. Mega Man has to be in Smash Brothers. You know, just like Sonic now is. Um, so I think you'll see Mega Man in there for sure. They're, they have a really good relationship with Square now, so I think you'll get somebody, probably Cloud, from Final Fantasy. Um, that'd be good. I'd that, like that. Yeah, I think you'll get the Rabbids. They, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause of Mario and Rabbids. Uh, I would love, I think it'd be cool to do someone from Fortnite. I think it'd be smart to throw Shovel Knight in there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really curious what Smash Brothers is going to look like on Switch. Really, really curious. Um, but I'm more curious if we'll see Metroid. Really am. Well, okay. Uh, I think, I, you know, we'll see mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, as for myself, I'm, just, I'm trying to keep it, you know, a lot of the stuff's already out there, mm-hmm. but I have some items on the wish list i'm still hoping to see mm-hmm. i they've been heavily hinting at some dlc for prey hmm. which is a game that came out last year a first person like shooter slash sci-fi adventure i would love to see a little more content based on that the game had a kind of a cliffhanger ending mm-hmm. so hopefully something to follow there maybe some news about a uh, persona 5 like switch edition mm-hmm. because i played the ps4 version and they have previously gone back and done like a, a remix or enhanced version for like a couple of years down the line. Yeah. And so it's been a couple of years since the game came out in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they're working on either that or maybe they're already working on six. I don't think they're at yeah. that point yet, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it... They didn't. There's a Shin Megami Tensei game coming to Switch, right? There is. There is okay. a Shin Megami Tensei Five that is okay. being made for the Switch, and they did just re- put out like trailers for Persona Three Dancing All Night and mm-hmm. Persona Five Dancing All Night. Yeah. And there is supposed to be a Persona Q Two coming out for the 3DS that'll like cross over the ga- the characters from Four and Five. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see about that. See how that goes. I I mean I really like E3. It's always it's always fun to to kind of check in. I'll be curious if we hear about this Star Fox Racer game. Yes. Um, whatever that's going to be. Chris, uh, there are dozens of us out there who are excited for that game. I, I am one of them. I don't. I don't. I'm not excited. But you know what? I was. I. I was shocked when I saw the Mario and Rabbids artwork and thought it looked really dumb. And that game is brilliant. So uh, I, you know, I'm not. I will not rule anything out. But we know that that's not retro. We still do not know what retro is doing i thought they were working on the star fox and something else is that retro i thought it was yeah okay like it's supposed to be like a star fox f-zero maybe racer type of game or something yes like a like a racing game with story elements and single player content too so what is is this i don't know nintendo does things so weird i really want to know i really want to know same yeah uh i do predict about a week or two weeks after e3 we will hear about the N64 Mini Classic. Feels like it's about time for that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been some uh, rumors, mm-hmm. some like patents filed mm-hmm. about like an N64 Mini, so... Yep. Yeah. Um, 
the only other thing that I could think of that would be a total left field is if maybe they like full on went into their online service. Um, cause I feel it's still pretty bare bones and they don't, they haven't released the bulk of information on that. Yeah. Um, and E3 is a great place to do that, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I was not expecting a full-on remake of Metroid 2 last year, and that announcement got announced not even at the actual like E3 presentation, but just by Reggie in an interview during E3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I they they hold their cards close to the chest. I'll be very curious what they drop. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point, I mean, I've got a couple hopes, but. I'm just going to, for the rest of it, let it wash over me. What? Yep, wash over. You'll be watching, will you be reporting or doing anything live during the show? Probably nothing live. Probably okay. we'll just do recorded episodes cool. for the, like, the next you know week or two. Mm-hmm. Talking over people's favorites from the E3. Maybe we'll get another moment of uh, Zac Efron and Jamie Foxx talking about Battlefield while high. <laughs> wow, oh man, I watched that clip and I was like, oh man, you guys, just... Get out of this interview right now. Just get out of this interview. <laughs> They're talking about weed. They're talking about weed. It was great. It's great, yeah. Cool. Cool, yeah, Chris. I think that uh, brings this episode of So Many Bits to a close. Cool. If you want people to find you, either electronically or in person, where can they find you? Uh, electronically, you can listen to my podcast. It is called the Nerd Outcast Podcast, and we talk about all types of nerdy things, from comic books and uh, TV shows to video games and movies. Um, Bill, you were just recently on our Sega Genesis pod, uh, podcast topic, which was really, really great. That sounds like um, me. Yeah, that does sound like you. And uh, that was a really fun discussion. We talked all about the Genesis and Sega's successes and failures as a company. So I would check that out. Uh, I've got an episode about Lord of the Rings coming out not too far into the distant future. So be on the lookout for that. And then if you're in the Chicago area... Um, I mean, I live in Chicago, but you can check out my web series, the studio web series. It's a comedy series about a Pilates studio in Chicago, and I've got a couple other film things in the works, but I can't talk about those yet. So. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Well, uh, as for myself, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Spreaker, from SoundCloud, from YouTube. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday nights and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Wednesdays, usually for Magic the Gathering Online. Thursdays for more of a, a potpourri, a mix of games. Uh, just last week, I was playing Bloodstained Curse of the Moon on my uh, Thursday night. And... Last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts, support independent art, the spirit of Dell compels you. 